Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Armor on the Air, the podcast where we discuss community health, the societal implications of microbiology, and that one time that Dana got pink eye, like a crusty third grader. Oh, God. I'm Dana, here with my co-host Caroline. Say hi, Caroline. <laughs> hi, guys. Today we're talking about eye infections and the wonky ways in which our immune system engages with our orbital cavity. I assure you, it's all for the best. Evolution did us a good one this time, and it even enables us to do insanely cool things with stem cell research on our eyeballs. But before we dig in, a lot has changed since we last spoke. When we recorded our last episode, we had not yet gotten our first snow. And I can now confirm, from the Colorado field, that it fucking whimped her now. Additionally, <laughs> Caroline and I took a short break to celebrate the holidays, during which time I contracted pink eye. So this conversation is is hitting on like a fresh wound for me. Maybe it's too soon. But before we dig in, Caroline, how are you? I am good, thank you. I'm very much enjoying the snow. We got like 11 inches or something. We got a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot and it's just... It's so magical. I love it. Everything's so quiet, uh, quiet, and it's just I'm happy. That's this awesome. This is my element. Yes, definitely. No, I'm super hyped about the snow. And after this, I'm absolutely gonna go romp around in the fields a little yes. bit. Maybe throw a snowball or two. Yeah, like we'll make a snow angel. Or actually, I think I've mentioned this before, but I have like a stupidly large patio in my apartment, and my plan. Maybe I'll do it tonight. I kind of want to invite some people over and build an igloo. Oh, on the patio? Yeah. That's a great idea. And bring in, like, hot drinks and, and talk about our feelings. Oh, that's beautiful. So that's as that happens idea. tonight, you're both invited. Oh. I say both because our producer is on the Zoom call as well. <laughs> Not you, random listener. Sorry, I'm random sorry. listener. <laughs> you're, by the time you're hearing this, the snow's probably melted. Yeah, classic Colorado, man. But if we become friends, if you DM us on Twitter mm -hmm. or Instagram and I we mean, become friends... We can't say it won't happen. We can't say it won't happen. So. Never say never. Never say never. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. How was your holidays? Holidays were good. I was actually sick for most of them. I was sick from late November to early January. Um... Pretty, it was on and off, but it was it was really persistent and recurring. Um, basically, I was super burnt out. Um, so I just, like, shut everything off for two weeks. And then I felt better. Yeah, so there's good. that. And then I'm scheduled to get my booster this Friday. I'm about to get boosted. Boosted. <laughs> Did I? I don't know if I've spoken about that joke yet, where this undergrad came up to me and she's like, I'm dying to get boosted. I can't find an appointment. I want to get boosted so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so that's, funny i mean that's like the other uh field of like people who are like anti-vaxxers yeah right that's the opposite <laughs> camp is people yeah, who aggressively like, want to get boosted. more vaccine. that's actually kind of like my partner <laughs> that's actually great. yeah he's he's like collecting vaccines he's so proud of it he's I like oh, can i have this one like it's like it, because in denmark we i'm sure in america too you have this vaccine program where like all of the normal ones are on like um, 
tetanus and uh, oh yes uh, what are they called like all the children diseases yeah like the one where you get red spots oh my god i'm so bad it's, it's small small smallpox small yes <laughs> yeah mumps and yeah rubella, yeah that one all those things those, yeah. yeah um so they are on like the normal plan like everyone gets that or everyone is offered that in denmark and like encouraged to have that but then they are like other ones like rabies and stuff like that yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. and he's like i want all of them he like researched uh, he researched um like benefits of vaccines um and a lot of them have like more benefits than are like advertised or whatever oh uh, yeah um, like if we told everyone that getting like all your vaccines made your skin clear maybe i mean higher vaccine compliance I'm yeah sure. but also there's like uh what is the one uh, the one where you get HPV the HPV vaccine turns out it's like preventative for a lot of yep. types of cancers uh, not just like the um, that's awesome yeah uh, the herpes ovarian one cancer the... thank you yes oh my god I am out <laughs> like I'm, I am not that's on okay. normal podcast level <laughs> we're not talking about vaccines today no we're we are not yes let's get back on track eyeballs. All right. Yes. So we're going to start with the different kinds of eye infections we may experience. Because there are quite a few, but not all of them have to do with your orbital cavity. A lot of eye infections actually have to do with, like, your eyelids and your little mm. eyelash. Yeah, like the tear canal. Yeah, 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 which aren't technically part of your eye tissue. That's part of your skin tissue, glandular yeah. tissue, not the eye itself, which is a little mm. bit different, as, as you'll learn today dear listener so remember that humans are glorified donuts that means that everything on the outside that the glaze touches is covered in bacteria and then everything inside that's like the doughy chewy textury deliciousness that is all sterile so ideally you should not have bacteria in any of your your sterile tissues mm-hmm. but what about your eyes isn't that kind that's of like, like Following, if we follow this analogy, the eyes are kind of a gray area. Yeah, right. Also, um, another thing with infections is that a lot of bacteria thrive, most of them, I think, in moist areas. And, like, as you know, your eyes are kind of They're nice moist. and moist. Yeah, that's how they're supposed to be. That's, like, the fluid helps you right. and stuff. But, like, when you think about it, could go wrong. Could go very wrong. Especially because your eyes, like, being open and facing the world all the time... Mm. You can't engage with the world if you keep your eyes shut. Like, if I keep no. my mouth shut, sure. Like, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe fewer particulates will come there. I can wear a mask to cover my mouth. Mm. Also, if you think about, like... Go ahead. Let's go back to uh, the last one, like, the one before that. Like, your vagina, if you have yeah. one of those. Uh, like, normally they're, like, kind of closed, right? Yeah. There's, like, layers and it's, like... Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you dig around a little to get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... Given that, scientists actually thought our eyes were sterile for a really, really long time because they're like, well, there's not really any, like, eyeball swelling that we've seen. (laughs) Doesn't seem to be any infections on the eyeball, in the eyeball. If it's pink eye, it's just, like, secreting stuff. I guess that's what happens when you get bacteria in your eyes. It oozes a bunch and then it goes away. Sometimes you need antibiotics. So basically, we were all pretty sure that your eyeballs were sterile. Until five years <laughs> ago. <laughs> Isn't that shocking? Only five years That's, ago? Also, sometimes when you hear about science or 
yeah, stuff in general, you're like, oh my god, everything has been discovered. There's like nothing left. And then it turns out, found out something new about the yeah. ice five years ago. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, so uh, scientists discovered the presence of an ocular microbiome. And so this functions very much in the same way that your gut microbiome does, where you have good bac- bacteria that just take up space and mm. generally make it a little bit harder for these opportunistic pathogens to invade and start consuming your delicious, fresh, moist eye tissue. So your <laughs> eyes have resident bacteria that do exactly this. And uh, this, I'm not kidding, this was discovered in 2017 by the National Eye Institute. This is a very recent discovery. Um, And they found that the most common bacterium that sits on your eyeballs is called Corinbacterium mastatitis. And there are these rod-shaped bacteria, and sometimes when they get into, like, larger and larger populations, because they're all rods, meaning they're all, like, straight lines, right? They all start like clumping together and so what you get is is these bacteria that are making little they, they look like they're making little letters it looks like like an n or a v or a oh, y if you yeah, google because... it you'll see but it's it's really cute because then like these in your they'll take pictures of your eye and they'll stain the bacteria in your eye is especially if people have like an imbalance of populations in their eye or even just to collect data from a healthy person you stain all these bacteria and they look like the slimy green alphabet soup on your cornea. Just, mm. you know, think about that next time you're not appreciating your eyes or the bacteria <laughs> in your body. Think about the alphabet soup. So these guys, these, these uh, corn bacteria, they uniquely live in your eyes and your nose because their favorite food is the tears of humans. And I'm not <laughs> even joking. Maybe they should have like... Coupled up with uh, uh, Alexander Fleming. Yeah. When he, like, spared children in order to collect their tears. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm not joking. Your tears have to be lubricated, right? It's not enough for your tears to just be... And when I say tears, I mean, like, your general eye... Watery eye. Your eyes need to be watery to flush out Mm. any sort of dust or particulates that fall into them and keep them lubricated so that your your blinking is a smooth endeavor. Like, have you ever had dry eyes and blinking is like, and it's like painful and awful? Yeah, so you need your tears to sort of be really like slimy and smooth and like butter. Like, (laughs) your tears have to be more like butter than water. And so they're filled with a bunch of fatty acids, which fatty acids are basically butter, and in, and in order to do that, 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 that's exactly what gives tears the sort of slimy consistency that's important. And this turns out to be corn bacteria's favorite food. They love fatty acids. So they are uniquely <laughs> adapted to living in your eyes. And as, you know, due to the proximity and the way that your tear ducts drain into your nose, you also see a lot of corn bacteria in your nose as well. Um, and they just can't get enough of this gourmet dish. So... That being said, if we have bacteria that normally live in our eyes, pink eye happens when bacteria that are not supposed to be in our eyes get into our eyes and start doing too well, right, too well for themselves in our eyeballs. Uh, Or if our population of corn bacteria sort of goes out of balance, which can happen after antibiotic treatment or after another eye infection. So I am still on alert to make sure that my ocular microbiome is setting back in nicely after my pink eye stint. But before we get into too much detail about pink eye and what pink eye is, we need to talk about what pink eye is not. And pink eye is not a sty. No. Do you know what a sty is? Yes. 
Yes, so a sty is a small painful red lump that grows at the base of your eyelash. So this is an infection mm. of your hair fall. It can also happen on like the top, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It can happen all the way around. Anywhere where you have eyelashes. And sometimes yeah. just because of like how deep that infection could be, that bump could actually be under your eyelid where that follicle yeah. is embedded in the tissue rather than at the surface. But either way, mm-hmm. it has to do with the hair follicle rather than, you know, any part of the eye tissue itself. And that one is also caused by bacteria. It's, it's mostly a technicality in where the bacteria have taken residence. They're not on the cornea, mm-hmm. they're in the hair follicle. And then another similar one is a chalazion. I hope I'm saying that right. And I do not know what that is. That's, yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know either. A chalazion is a swollen bump on the eyelid, but this is due to a clogged oil gland rather than a hair follicle. Hmm. So it's more like in like the skin yeah. of the eyelid than in just like the, where the hair is. Yeah, so it just has to be like bacteria yeah. like these warm, moist places. They also want to be protected in a lot of cases. So you're not mm-hmm. really going to see... If you have ever have like a, a dermal infection that's very superficial, there needs to be a wound there. So either you got the wound and the bacteria started growing in the wound, or the bacteria have like irritated your skin enough that they have created a wound for themselves to hide in. But if bacteria are infecting a superficial part of your body, they're gonna create like a little cave for themselves to hide in. And so the difference between a sty and a chalazion is just that in a sty, the bacteria have chosen a hair follicle as their cave of residence, and in a chalazion, they have chosen an oil gland as their cave of residence. Yeah. So there's that. And then the last one is blepharitis, which similarly, again, is an infection of the eyelids and not any part of your eye. Okay. Bunch of different eye facts for you. But now <laughs> we're going to dig in. Eye infections. Eye infections, wow. Um, but now we're going to dig into pink eye itself. Good old pink eye. Uh, it's also known as conjunctivitis because it is inflammation of the conjunctiva. And this is that very thin, thin, thin little membrane that you have over the white part of your eye. And so this yeah. is the difference between these infections of sort of the tissue that holds the eye in place versus the eye tissue itself. So pink eye is actually an infection of tissue that is uniquely found in the eye. You don't have this this kind of membrane anywhere else in your body. Mm-hmm. And pink eye, as mentioned before, just happens when you have a bacteria or a virus in the conjunctiva of your eye. So in the thin membrane covering your eye, that one can get infected. And that means, uh, if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, when your immune system finds something that it needs to attack, it's going to break up that tissue a little bit so that it can start inflammation. inflammation. It's going to start ripping out all those pathogens. It needs additional blood flow in the area so that it can start, you know, attacking the thing that's not supposed to be there. And because of this, the most common symptom of pink eye is your eyes get really weepy. Yet these, uh, I, I say this from experience from a month ago, um, you get like every hour or so, I would just have like the fattest, sloppiest eye boogers dripping out of my tear yeah. ducts. Get it out. Get it out, but not with your hands. Yeah. Not with your hands. No, oh God, no, no, no. <laughs> but the body is trying to get it out. Like, yes. Just like, the body yeah, is flushing it out, and yeah. then you want to use like a tissue or something to get it out of your mm-hmm. eye. Wash your hands before and after you touch your eyes. It is so contagious. It's so, so, so contagious because the bacteria yeah. that's going to take over your eyes, bacteria that wants to be there, 
And people touch their eyes all the time. So all you have to do is like, if you get this bacteria on your hands and you touch your eye, like you have just planted that bacterium in its ideal environment and it will grow profusely. And that's typically why you see breakouts of pink eye at elementary schools because crusty third graders touch their eyes and they touch each other and they spit in each other's mouths and it's a whole disgusting thing. So don't, don't get that, don't, don't get your, your eye loogies out with your, with your hands. Make sure you're, you're taking good care to keep your hands clean. And it sucks because they're itchy and you can't see. And sometimes if it's really bad, like especially in the morning and those loogies have been like accumulating all night, you mm-hmm. can't open your eye. You have to like pry your eye apart and then scrape out all the excess gunk and then, and, and then you're all right. Um, an, a, another thing about pink eye, because these infections can actually, in, in some cases, the infection that takes place in your eye also really likes the mucous membranes in your nose and your throat and your upper respiratory system. So a lot of times people will have the flu or a cold at the same time as pink eye. They'll like cough in their hand and then as rub their eyes. If eye. you weren't suffering enough. Which is actually what happened to me. <laughs> I had a cold or a flu already and I just like, you know, was not being careful with my hygiene and I smeared that bacteria or virus right into my eyeball. And my eyes were like, why'd you do that, bro? And, uh, <laughs> dude, I will, now I will, uh, punish you yeah. with eye gunk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, the other side of this, if, if you don't, you can have pink eye and not have a cold or flu in the rest of your body. It could be because the bacteria or virus is just exclusively in your eye. It doesn't really want to live anywhere else, or you've just been really good about not spreading that infection anywhere, anywhere else in your body. But other times, you can actually get pink eye from just allergens in the air, from pollution and from mold and things like that. Just because your eye realizes, like, hey, there's something touching the eyeball that doesn't, I don't want, I don't want it here. And it'll turn on the same inflammatory immune response. Oh, okay, so you're not infected. Right, you're not infected, but your body triggers the immune sequence, right? Mm -hmm. And so your eye starts sort of spilling stuff out. And then at the same time... If you are already dealing with something that you have to respond to in terms of your immune system, like an allergen or pollution, your immune system is going to be a little bit weaker. So if you do get a bacteria in your eye, it's a lot easier for that bacteria or virus, I should say, uh, to take hold. So super foul, gross infection. I don't recommend it. I had to pry my eyes open a couple times. I'm I'm, I'm really trying to pull, like, hold it together, but you know how eyes and like eye health and stuff that's just one of my that's an infection that i have a hard time with. really <laughs> yeah every time there's something with eyes i'm like no 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 okay no, no, well let's no, move no, no, on no, no, and i'll no, gross no. you out even more uh <laughs> thank you, we, thank you. <laughs> we're gonna talk about contact lenses because contact lenses is one of the most common ways that you can get pink eye if you share your contact lenses if you share eye makeup if you who shares contact we'll lenses. get to that if you don't if you share makeup or anything like that false eyelashes or something um you Mm. increase your chances of getting pink eye if that person was Mm. carrying a bacterium for pink eye and their body could handle the infection but your body can't your Mm. eyes might start getting weepy so this is the part of the episode where we publicly humiliate dana for her horrible contact lens habits so i have sent caroline a link to a buzzfeed quiz called how gross are your contact lens habits and I'm going to take the quiz. <laughs> but Caroline's going to ask me the question. I'm going to ask it. Ask the questions. Are you ready, I'm Dana? I'm ready. Okay. No shame, Dana. I don't know how it's like. I don't wear contact lenses. 
So, I mean, I, stuff can be we'll hot. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll see if you're saying Last that question. yet. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, God, no. <laughs> um, have you ever dropped a contact on the ground and put it back in your eye without rinsing it off? I don't know for sure, but I think I might. How? Because I drop them on the counter like my bathroom counter all the time oh, and just like okay. thinking like if this would have fallen on my bathroom floor instead my impulse is not to throw it away i would just like rinse it oh, off okay. and then put it in my eye okay oh so do you want to go for yes or god no for yes <laughs> okay <laughs> okay oh okay okay you are not a lot of people do that okay have you ever slept in your context yes. Mostly by accident. Okay, you you and sixty four percent of the people taking this quiz. I have. think that's a common one, because okay. like, yeah. Also, if you're like tired or drunk or something, oh, yes. uh, then I mean, yeah. Have you ever <laughs> slept in your contact lenses for more than two nights in a row? So I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because if I do sleep in my contact, is because I was probably drunk or like super 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 tired and usually after a night like that the following night I'm like I deserve to rest and I do my whole nightly routine where I take my contact lenses out so I think it's highly unlikely that that's ever happened however also doesn't it get super dry yeah they get dry they get dry so if I if I wake up after sleeping my contact lenses I'll Mm. have to take them out and rinse them and then put them back in just to like coat them in more solution we're going with never. Sure. Okay. 83% has never done that. Good. Have you... Oh, God. Oh! Oh, oh my. Have you ever licked a contact lens to clean it and then put it back in your eye? Dana, no. I have. But not... Nice! <laughs> but not to clean it. The thing is, it, it got a little dry. Like, it fell out of my eye because it got dry or like because I scratched my eye or something so I needed to lubricate it a little put it back in my eye and I've done this a couple of times it's never in a situation where you have access to contact lens solution because if it happened at home I would just go to the bathroom and get solution right so the first time this ever happened to me I was giving a presentation and I did this behind the podium what? I licked my contact like, lens. Like, did you, like, duck a little no, bit? No, no, I was, I kept talking. I just... <laughs> you took it off, licked it, well, put it, it had back fallen in your out. It, wow. fell, it fell out, so I found it in my palm. And so I put it on my finger, I licked it, and then I put it in my eye as I was talking. It was quick. I'm trying very hard not to judge you, Dana. But um, this is for someone who does not wear contact yeah. lenses. And has an eye thing. Yeah. This is... Uh, Sorry. Oh God. Oh God, Dana, you are you are part of the only thirteen percent who've Ooh. done that. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever worn a torn contact? I have not. Okay. Seventy seventy four percent have not. I wonder why I mean maybe if it can it break while you have it not on really. and then you just keep Not it really, on? but when you take it oh, out okay. it can break. Yeah. Um when do you change your contacts? So my... When I'm supposed to, or when they start to hurt, get lost? Um, my contacts are dailies. Yeah, okay. I wear them for months at a time. Only during the day. Still technically daily. Daytime contacts. Wait, okay. When you say daily... It means you need a fresh pair every day. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought I was like, 
I thought I was just misunderstanding nope. the question for a little bit. Oh, I was hoping nope. I was, but I wear my contacts an obscenely oh, long time, and like I take them out at. Think night. about how much money you save. Actually, yes. So, <laughs> I have never bought contact lenses before. When you go to the eye doctor and you get a contact lens prescription, they give you like 20 contact lenses for free in your prescription until you can get your own pack. And I just use those. I get like 20 contacts every year. And that's all I need. But sometimes you wear glasses. And sometimes I wear glasses. So, yeah. Okay. But. I have so many emotions. It's not like I take my contacts out wear glasses for a little while, and then get a fresh pair of contacts, I go back to the contacts yeah. I took out three months no! ago. No! Dana! Dana, I'm, so, I'm like, okay, you want to hear some of my emotions right now? I am upset. <laughs> I am sad for you. A little bit disgusted, must be honest. A little bit. And I'm also just sad. <laughs> I'm just sad for you. Let's keep going. But to be fair, okay, I, I feel like I should share mm. something too now that like we I, I am silent not silently actually judging you out loud. <laughs> um sometimes I reuse my syringes for insulin too. Even though they're also supposed to be changed. Oh that's time. funny. That's probably a similar energy. I think it's worse actually. I guess that's true. Cause, because cause... I mean, like it goes into yeah. you, like into your like very much into the dough. That is not a gray zone. That is in the dough. In the donut dough. That's true. So, That's true. I mean, and your eyes, we're going to learn more about this, but you're, there's a reason why my body has allowed me to get away with this for so long. Okay. Well, but do you then change them when they get hurt, start yes. to hurt? Yes. So, or get lost? Yeah. Um, they don't really start to hurt me that much. Like, I think I just have, like, weirdly tough eyeballs for some reason. Mm-hmm. Or, like, very lubricated eyeballs. Or maybe you trained them. To no, because it's never given like, me a problem. Develop. This has been my habit since the day I got contacts, like three and a half years ago. I've never known anything else. Um, but like usually the time oh, when I change them is when I lose them. So sometimes they'll fall out of my eye and yeah. I can't figure out where they fell on my body. So that's that's one thing. And then other times I travel between Arizona and Colorado a lot, which is a big mm. altitude difference. Arizona is basically like sea level it's like a couple hundred feet above sea level colorado's where i live in colorado is mile high and so that means that because of the change in air pressure whenever i go between them uh so i guess actually when i come to colorado uh my contact solution in my little carrying case evaporates and my contacts dry up and so then i'll change them Hmm. i won't like rehydrate them just like this is hard and crusty plastic now so i'll just throw them away Okay, the next question, Dana, I can answer this for you. Have you ever worn a pair of contacts more than a week longer oh, than yes. you're supposed to? Who has it? <laughs> oh my I god! Fifty nine percent. Fifty nine percent have. Okay, I mean like me being a, a, a newbie in this area is okay. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever worn them for two weeks or longer than you're supposed yeah. to wear them? Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's now we're down to uh, 45%. It's still, it's still kind of a lot, yeah. Okay. Have you, oh God, no. Have you ever tried on someone else's contact lens? I have an anecdote. So my partner, <laughs> my partner also wears contact lenses and we have a very similar prescription. <laughs> and um, 
he was almost out of his contact lenses. So he was, I mean, he was doing what I do where he like re-wears his as long as possible. But then we were like, well, if you lose yours or if you need a fresh one, like, why don't you try one of my contact lenses so I can give you one of my fresh ones in case, in case you need it, right? Mm -hmm. But then he's like, yeah, but I don't want to waste the fresh contact lens if I'm not going to use it right away. Like, I might as well just try the one that's in your eye right now. <laughs> So I took the contact lens out of my eye, rinsed it off in solution, and then he put it in his eye. And he's like, this is great. Like, great backup. Like, if I need one of yours, it works great. And then he took it out of his eye, rinsed it off again. But I had just got done applying uh, sunscreen. So my hands were, like, all oily. So I'm like, I don't want to go wash my hands and put this in right now. And so he put the contact back in my eye for me. <laughs> well, you're definitely very close. Physically. Yes. Now. I guess. One time, I've, I've only worn contacts once, and that they were like white ones, because I was dressed up as a zombie. <laughs> and um, I got one of them out again, with like a lot of... I was drunk, so I had to get it out with like a lot mm -hmm. of effort. Because it was... The, how am I supposed to know how the, you take them off, right? And I could not get the other one oh, out. No. It was just like, oh god. And then this guy came... So he plucked nice. it out of your eye. The Faroe Islands. Yeah, he was like, oh, I see. It was so nice. I was like, help, please, Sigrid, help. And he was he was like, okay, I see you've already gotten one out. That's very good That's job. so sweet. So now he's going to do this. And he took my eye, and then he just did like, boop. And then That's I was That's awesome. Out. Just like, the like gentle touch. And like, I was just like, thank you. That's thank so, you so, so nice. Much. Yeah, I was so that. It was also very, very gentle. So I, I, someone has been in my eyes too, of one of my eyes, a little bit. But it was very fast good, and very gentle. Good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, it's you did that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So only five percent have done this. <laughs> do you ever reuse contact solution? I do. How? How do you? you do so that? you have your little carrying case that you put your contacts in okay. and you fill, you're supposed to keep your contacts in solution anytime you're not wearing them because they're a hydrogel, yeah. which is like a plastic that's saturated with water. And so mm -hmm. you want to keep them in that solution that's designed to match the like fatty acid composition in your eyeballs. So your eyes don't get mad yeah. at you. Um, mm -hmm. And what you're supposed to do is every time you put your contacts in you're supposed to dump that solution and put in fresh solution every time oh, but i don't okay. do that i just yeah. pop them into the same like the only time i change it is if i see like floating particulate matter in it, or if it like evaporates i'm so happy you're not blind oh, i've gone blind from these practices <laughs> okay um so 42 percent have actually done that's this, a common so one yeah okay have you ever tried to make your own homemade contact solution you know i haven't but i'm intrigued now because contact solution is expensive, so I might look into that. Okay, ninety-four percent have not, but six percent have. I mean, like, I wouldn't. I would definitely know how to make like an. Is it called isotonic? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, in in like solution. That's. I wonder if like next time that. I cry, I'll just collect my tears and use that as contact solution. <laughs> Alexander, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you regularly touch your contact to adjust it during the day? Not regularly, but sometimes when you fall asleep on the plane and your eyes dry out, your contact can get like a little drier, itchy, and it'll move around and not sort of center back where it's supposed to. So in those situations, I'll like pull out my phone camera 
and use that to find my contact and then just like move it back into place. Yeah, I'm going with no because that's very yeah, rare. It's pretty rare. I mean, I give me yeah, give that. me some grace. I'm already like disgusting enough based on this quiz. <laughs> You're not like uh, like I mean, some of the things you have admitted to is apparently not that common to do, but other things where I'm like, no, don't do that. That's like yeah. A lot of do that, so. This is this is just like judgment for someone who's not in there that world. So do not, uh, yeah. Finally, do you wash your hands before putting your contacts in slash taking them out? Not really, no. I do, I do, however, wash my hands when I get home from the day. So okay. typically when I'm around sense. the house, and I, I wash my hands after I use the bathroom or before I cook. So I feel like mm, my hands are yeah. pretty clean and I'm not really taking the contacts in or out when I'm not at home. Mm. So yeah. That's a, that's a good uh, habit yeah. to me. I, I started that habit with COVID, and it's lasted. So happy about that. Yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah. good job. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 41%. That was it, Dana. That was it. So the conclusion is, it is no surprise that I contracted pink eye. What is surprising is how long <laughs> it took for me to get pink eye. It's a miracle that I didn't get pink eye sooner. I've been wearing contacts for three and a half years now. I don't know how I made it this far. No, well, it happens now. Maybe you'll be more no. careful now. No, no, no okay. there's no well, way. It, the crusty eyes yeah. was not that bad. That's <laughs> fine. Pink eye wasn't that bad. Like it's. How long did it take? Did you get medicine? So my, my doctor gave me some steroids because I told him I didn't want antibiotics for it because given that it was uh, co-occurring with a cold or a flu that I knew was viral, mm-hmm. um, I'm yeah. like this, I know it's, even if it is a bacteria, like I think my body can kick it. Like I really don't want to take yeah. antibiotics if I don't have to. Um, so they just give me some steroids mm-hmm. to sort of calm down my immune system a little bit. Like a eye steroid? Like- eye steroids, yeah. They were eye drops that were steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it helped my mm-hmm. eyes chill out a little bit. And it only, it mm-hmm. only took a, two days for it to get better. There was like the one day that I found it and then the day that I got the prescription. And then as soon as I started the steroids, mm-hmm. it went away. And it hasn't come back, so I, I'm healed. Good job. Thank Good you. Job, famous, oh, and of course, <laughs> I did not. So the contact lenses that were in my eye when I got pink eye, I did get rid of those. I'm not that vile. Okay, that's okay. No, we we can talk now. We can talk oh. now. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about interocular lenses. So the lens in your eye is the part that does the focusing. It's the part that changes the way that light travels into your eye so that it can actually focus on the very back part of your eye where the actual light sensors, visual receptors all sit. So they're kind, you can kind of think of them as permanent contact lenses almost, um, except they go underneath your cornea instead of on top of it. The way contact lenses. Yeah. Cornea yeah. is like another membrane that goes over the colored part of your eye and the pupil. And so what happens is that due to age or due to injury or damage, your lens can start developing um, these little clouds in it um, that are called cataracts. And these clouds cover up your vision. It's like fogging up the glass. So this, is, this contributes to blindness. And when your natural lens clouds over, what doctors can do is they can remove your lens and give you an artificial one that's made out of uh, hydrogel, which is pretty close to the material that contact lenses are made of, except it's a little bit thicker, so they have to make sure it's the exact right size to fit your eye cavity properly so that you can see clearly through it. If you don't focus that light well, it'll focus too far in front of or too far behind the back of your eye, 
and that's what leads to nearsightedness and farsightedness. There you go. So it's actually the changing shape of your lens that leads to poor vision. Which in a lot of cases, that's why kids have to start wearing glasses after their growth spurt because their their body and their eyes are growing at different rates and so their lens can't keep up and they end up seeing badly. It happens. This, that was happened to me. So uh, this hydrogel is a smart, breathable plastic and your body is fine with it. It doesn't reject it out of the eye. This is really unusual. If you cut open your arm and you put in a piece of plastic, think about how angry your arm would be, right? It would be inflamed and it would be, you'd be having a full body immune response to try to deal with that thing. You would be sick for so long. But people who get this artificial lens, this interocular lens transplant, they don't really have any issues. The only thing that they have to worry about is their cornea has to heal back up. But then they're good. There's no fever. There's nothing else. So how did we figure out that your eyes aren't going to reject something that your body would reject anywhere else? That's a good question. It's history time. To be, to be fair, like, people have done a lot of very weird shit in the name of medicine. But this one's actually, so. this one's actually cool. So this one's actually okay. based on observational science uh, that we figured out that we could do this. So we're going to be talking about Gordon Mouse... Cleaver. His name is Gordon, but he was called the Mouse. He was a fighter pilot in World War II. He was on the Royal Air Force, so British guy, um, and he was one of the big hotshots. That's why he's got a nickname. You always know someone is a hotshot if they have a nickname on their Wikipedia page. So this guy, his nickname is Mouse. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the background is on that, but this guy, Mouse, Gordon Mouse, he forgot his goggles one day, like an absolute fool. And they had to go and fly and, and go into combat, right? So his unit, his entire unit, was hit with machine gun fire. And his airplane burst into flames. And the entire canopy over his little pod in his plane mm -hmm. shattered. And a bunch of that shattered glass got into his eyes. So Gordon Mouse bailed. He flipped the plane and he fell out through the shattered canopy, and he parachuted down, blind. Completely blind. <laughs> you couldn't like see anything. Freaking badass. Like a freaking mousy badass. And then he had to go through a bunch of surgeries. They had to reconstruct his face, and they tried to restore vision in one of his eyes, um, but they couldn't. So we lost vision in one of his eyes. But then his other eye, which had a ton of shrapnel in it from the shattered canopy, he could still see totally fine. You could see the shrapnel in his eye, and his body was fine with it. So his doctor, Dr. Ridley, thought, interesting that his eyeballs are not rejecting this material. I wonder if we could fix the vision in his other eye out of the same material that his one eye has accepted. Mm -hmm. And everyone laughed at Dr. Ridley. They're like, ha, you idiot. You think you can put things like that in the body all willy-nilly? This is an anomaly, and you suck. And so Dr. Ridley kept insisting that, like, no, like, this should work. This should be a thing. And it took about 40 years. But in the 80s, this technique became established. And so they were making artificial lenses out of the same, or not the same, but very, very similar material to what the canopy of British fighter jets were made out of. And they'll cut open the cornea and they'll put that in. 
and then they'll seal the cornea back up, your body heals, and you can see again. And so, almost 40 years after Gordon Mouse lost his vision, he actually got the procedure to get an artificial lens put into his eye that lost vision, and he got his vision restored! Aww. Yay for Gordon Mouse! So, Great story. Yeah, right? Isn't it cute? Yeah. So, the conclusion from this observation is that your eyes are something that's called immune-privileged. And this means that the immune system is a little bit milder in the eye. It regulates itself much more than it would anywhere else in the body. And this makes sense because if you have an infection in your eye and your body overreacts to it and gets itself too inflamed, you lose arguably the most important sensory organ that you have, your sight, mm. right? So the body has sort of learned to modulate the immune system in the eyes a lot more than it would anywhere else. So that's why Gordon Mouse's eyeballs permitted the presence of this shrapnel in his eye and why tens of thousands of patients across the United States can get interocular transplants. It's actually the most common transplant of a solid substance into the body in the United States. There's a very common procedure now. Yeah. So another thing that was observed in sort of the same vein, like basically once we figured this out and once we figured out that the immune system is, is a lot more regulated in the eye, we started putting all sorts of shit in the eyes, mostly of animals, to see what would happen, right? Which, uh, it makes me uncomfortable, but it's, I, I know it's science, I know. Um, they were putting skin grafts into the eyes of rabbits, and then also putting the same skin grafts other, in other places in the rabbit's body, and they found mm. that the, rabbit, the rabbit's body was rejecting the transplant everywhere else, but not in the eye. Or if it did reject it in the eye, it was much slower, much milder. The rabbit could survive for much longer with, uh, with that implant in its eye. And so the reason that we evolved to do this is because any infection in the eye is going to lead to swelling in the brain. It's going to lead to swelling in the eye. And swelling damages your organs. So throughout years of evolution... Especially your brain. Especially your brain. We evolved to select against a really robust immune presence in anywhere that was like touching the brain or touching the eyes. Which is pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Sort of small. Go evolution. Yeah. So, because of that, we're going to talk about stem cell therapy. There's a bunch of work going into stem cell therapy, but it's really interesting because patients with damaged corneas can actually, we can actually use stem cells to restore their vision and restore their, their corneal health. And one company called Holoclare actually got this clinically approved. So this is one of the very, very few, if not the only approved stem cell procedure in the world, which is really, really cool. So stem cells, uh, just to sort of back up a little and make sure everyone understands sort of the kind of stem cells we're talking about. There's a few types of stem cells. So the most basic type of stem cell is called an embryonic stem cell. So these are cells in general, stem cells are cells that haven't decided what they want to be yet when they grow up. Embryonic stem cells have all the potential of a bright-eyed, enthusiastic first grader. They could be anything they want, anything they set their mind or genome to. So they could be <laughs> president or a doctor or a swashbuckler or whatever it may be. You could be anything you want. Remember that our cells, everywhere in our body except for our reproductive cells, so the eggs and the sperm, all of the cells in our body all have the exact same DNA in them. You have to. And every mm. single, every single cell in our body, the exact same DNA. 
the difference between them, like a skin cell and a nerve cell and a heart cell, is just what part of the DNA they're actually reading. It's like a choose your own adventure book. So that means that at some point, these cells must have decided to become that. And so that's where the term embryonic comes from. When you are an embryo, your cells haven't decided yet what part of the body they're going to be. Because you start out from mm. one cell, and they all got to divide and then decide who's going to take which job. So an embryonic stem cell is a cell that hasn't decided what it's going to be yet. It's, it has the potential to read any part of its DNA literally anywhere in the genome. So then depending on the signals it gets from its environment or sometimes the chemical signals we provide to it in a petri dish, we can ask that cell to read different parts of its genome and then it commits to that lineage, produces more of cells in that lineage. So then the other type of, uh, the other type of stem cell is known as a tissue-specific uh, stem cell. And this is a stem cell that has kind of decided where it wants to work, what it wants to do, but it hasn't chosen a specific tissue in that area. So think of something like your heart, right? Your heart has a bunch of different types of cells all working together and a bunch of different types of tissues. You could be a muscle tissue, you could be a membrane tissue, or you could be a blood vessel tissue, right? So there's all sorts of different cells that are all part of the same organ system. So you can think of this as uh, that guy who decided he wanted to be an engineer, but he doesn't know what kind of engineering yet, so he's like undecided right now. That's a tissue-specific stem cell. So they sort of sort of know what they want to do. They're hanging out in, in good company, but they haven't quite committed yet to reading that, uh, that part of their DNA. And so then the, the sort of last stem cell, which I'm mentioning here just for com completion in this case, uh, is an induced pluripotent stem cell. Now, this is a man-made category of stem cells. We made these. Humans made these. Um, we used to think that we couldn't make cells revert back to their original undifferentiated state. And so that's why there was so much tension in the stem cell research, research space. You had to get the cells from embryos and that didn't sit well with a lot of people, right? But then a scientist named Shinya Yamanaka got the Nobel Prize in 2012 because he figured out a way to take any cell in your body and perform a hard factory reset on it. And basically a cell that already decided it wanted to be a skin cell, he could make it be an embryonic stem cell again. And so this is kind of like that guy who's been working in industry for a while, but he's just not feeling it, so he decides to quit his job, go back to school, and remake his whole career. He can be anything he wants. <laughs> <laughs> just I had to keep the analogy going. Okay, so with the stem cell summary out of the way, your eyes have tissue-specific stem cells that are sitting in these weird little reservoirs around your eye. And mm -hmm. almost every organ system has this because every organ system experiences damage. So most organ systems have a pot where they keep stem cells that are tissue-specific. So they're not, we could become anything, they're not already committed to their lineage. They're like, yeah, we know we're gonna have something to do with an eyeball eventually. We're cool just waiting until tell us what you need. And so then, when there's damage to the eye, these stem cells are recruited in, they're put in the right place, and then they see who's around them. They're like, oh, you y'all are corneas? Well, I want to fit in, so I'm going to be a cornea cell too. And then it'll differentiate, commit to being a cornea, and then that reservoir stays there, continues replicating for when there's further damage. 
But what happens when the damage happens to the reservoir of cells? You can't regenerate anymore. We have a problem. Have a problem. Your cornea starts breaking up. So your, your cornea is falling apart. You can't replenish cells well enough. And another thing is that sometimes cells in the reservoir, they die over time as well. So this is part of why blindness is associated with aging. Because your, your eye health, like your eyes can't uh, regenerate as quickly as they used to. This is also true of things like your muscles, right? And your skin, right? The reservoirs of stem cells that we have repairing the damage are starting to die off as well. So they can't come in and keep replacing. Or if they do, they take a lot longer. So this yeah. uh, company, this treatment, Holoclare, found out that we can make more of these eye-specific stem cells in a lab. And because your eye is immunoprivileged, we can just put them back on your cornea in that reservoir, fill that reservoir up again, and then you're healing your eye again. And the eyes, totally cool with this. We can't do this anywhere else in the body except the eyeballs. We live in the future. We live in the future. And we can see clearly now. <laughs> and that's it's it. Clearly now the restaurant is full. <laughs> and with that, no. we put out podcasts every other week to teach you all about the societal implications of microbiology and health. You can keep up with us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also keep up with us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at cu underscore armor. And we also meet every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to do this, but with no filter. And you're more than welcome to join us. You can email us or DM us for the Zoom link. Our email is armor at colorado.edu. If your community has unique needs, we encourage you to start your own chapter of Armor. To learn more, you can visit our website at arclabs.org armor. And that's it. Take care of your eyes. See you guys. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>